God just really impressed me. He said, how much do I value my home? And any of you who have read through the Bible, you know how he values his temple. And that truly, that is his home. He, he doesn't even need a home, but he has chosen us to be his temple. We need a home, and it needs to be a place of rest for us and for our households. And I have a precious young woman who is our main speaker. I'm the moderator, by the way. My name is Bib Schrader. Um, I am the lady that answers the phone if you call the church. Okay. And, and honestly, I worked in people's homes for 25 years before I started here 17 years ago. And it's amazing. I were, was in beautiful homes where the hair on the back of my neck stood up because there was not the spirit of God there. There was a different spirit. And I have been in very meager means homes that were utterly beautiful in spirit. And so no matter where you are, I know with the spirit of God, your home can be beautiful. And Janelle Peterson is our main speaker today. She's a precious young woman who um, got married at 31 years of age. Isn't that? And And she has truly grown to be, um, she said she's not a natural organizer, that her um, organizing skills are only 10% of who she is. But she's learning the art of people, and that simplicity is a blessing. And so I am looking forward to hearing from her today, and I'm um, hoping that you all receive well. Let me just pray real quick. Okay. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. I thank you that, Father, you have prompted each of these women to come into this room, and that, Lord, it's by your spirit that they are drawn. Father, you know the needs in their hearts, the desires of their hearts, and that you will meet them in this place. We ask that every word will give you glory. We pray this in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Leah, do you have cards? Have you passed out cards to him? Any of you not get a card from Leah? because we are, we'll be taking your questions later. So if you don't have them, she can get you one. Okay? Okay. After that, I'm like, she could just keep going. I don't think I need to say any more. That was pretty good. Um, but it fits actually what you just introduced with um, feeling the spirit of God in homes. is fits just right into this. It fits in what Carrie said, and that was a really, really good word. Um, can you all agree that God, even though we're here with Um, real rest and the theme being rest that God's calling us to action right and that verse that you have on your um, bookmark um, there's different action words and one of them is learn and so that's what we're going to do today we're just going to learn on a very practical grassroots level of just how to um, be free of clutter be free of stuff in our life so we can have the good or the God things in our life and more of it um Excuse me if I, if I end up reading from this. This is because I'm really, I'm not nervous, but I'm a little anxious. And the reason why is because I have not spoke for a really, really long time. 
Ben mentioned that I got married at 31. And the reason I say that is because I was single during that time, and I was a single woman in ministry. And <clears throat> years ago, it, I, I was kind of, it, it's not as popular as it is now. Now there's like tons of like women youth pastors, and, and so it wasn't really popular. So I would find myself constantly sitting around table of like, grown men and, you know, pastors and board and deacons and stuff like that and finding myself, like, trying to figure out, make opportunity for myself. Um, and one of the things I really had to do during that time of ministry was be organized and be as organized as I could and as systematic as I can in the way I thought and execute things according to budget, according to finance, according to uh, what is the need, not just what I wanted to do or what thought could happen, but like what needs to take place. And you can apply that to your home because now that I'm married and I have two little kids that take up all my coping circles, um, I had to figure out a new, in my new season of how to maintain order and to work with budget because I didn't have all the control like I did when I was single. Does that make sense? So I don't, so anyway, that's just a little side note and an introduction for me. Um, Carrie said last night in her message that rest is not taking away things and trying to relax, but putting our stuff in our situation and our problems or our coping circles. How many of you guys were here for the coping circle illustration? Okay. It's enough of you for me to move on and not explain it. If you have not heard about it, you'll want to listen to Carrie's message online so you can understand the illustration. You'll hear that term coping circles. It's basically we're all given a finite amount of coping circles, our capacity in which to handle situations. So like I just said, my kids take up all my coping circles. So I joke around that. I used to run churches, youth groups, ministries, events. I could live overseas, but two small, tiny humans take up all my coping circles. So it's pretty amazing contrast in my life right now. Um, so anyway, so although we're going to be talking about decluttering our home and organization and taking out the negative in our home, it's really us, like Bib said, putting our home in him. And by doing that, he may lead you to make some physical changes in your house. Uh, we're going to give you very practical advice. I'm even going to give you a quote-unquote a to-do list. Don't let your... Uh, Panic, you know, panic attack, coping circles go off the chart or anything, but I'll give you a little list. They're just tips and ideas that you could figure out what would work for you and what would not work for you. Um, but it's basically what we're going to do in this session is trying to find different opportunities in which we can put our chaotic home in him. And one of the songs that we sang last night talked about um, your presence is here. And that is one thing. Like, even if you make physical changes, you could have, like, the perfect, most decluttered, simplified home. You could live in a tiny house, one of the tiny home trends, you know, the little tiny homes that are on wheels and stuff. But if you don't have the presence of God there, you're not going to find rest. Your family's not going to find rest. Your home's not going to find rest. So in a practical sense, we're going to be decluttering. But remember, that's so you can bring in the opportunity to bring in the God's presence to be aware, to release those coping circles cause you, so you can connect with God and draw from the source. So why rest in the home? Why is it that this morning in the sessions you were able to talk about, you know, spiritual rest and journaling and worshiping and prayer, and now we're talking about clutter in the home. That's what we're going to talk about. If you didn't know that, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, why is it? Well, that's because that's your environment. That's where you dwell. That's where you live. It doesn't matter if you live in a one-bedroom apartment, if you live in a shared home, 
if you live in a bungalow or a six-bedroom, three-bath home. It's your home. Home is the very word. So your house is physical. Your home is where you dwell. That is your home. You make memories there. You have meals with friends. Um, you raise your family there. That's where you rest your head to be refreshed. It's a place for you to retreat. It's a place of solitude. For some of you, it's your dumping ground. It's your safe zone where you can just be you because you feel like you have to go out in the world every day and perform. It's your home. It's your environment. But because it's your home and it's your environment, that's where you dwell. It affects the way you feel. It affects how you think. It affects your emotions. It can even affect your health, physical and mental health. I don't know the statistic, but there is like scientific proof that um, a lot of people who suffer from chronic illnesses, that their homes tend to be um, in disarray because it's affecting their mental and their physical state. Um, your environment is just as important to your kids if, you're mar- if you have kids and to your husband if you're married. And your home can either be very stressful or it can be restful. Have you ever sat down? This is an example. Have you ever sat down in your home and you're like, I'm going to do my devotions today or I've got a test I need to study for um, or for me, I've got this workshop I need to prepare for. And then you stop looking around, you start looking around and you get so distracted. All of a sudden, that pile of papers that have been there for weeks, like jump out at you and start screaming at you. Or like that pile of Legos on the floor or the dried Cheerios are just really, really bugging you, even though earlier that day you said, oh, I don't care about it. It's just, it's, it's part of our natural instinct. It's part of our life. It's part of who we are. And God created us is like, we need some sort of order. And order for each person looks different. There's different levels of order. And the, your perspective is kind of how you see what order is, what your level of order is. Um, so anyway, where am I? Yep. Yep. I kind of went off. Okay. Anyway, so, so you, um, sorry. Okay. So physical change to your environment can actually relieve that mental and that physical stress. So you're sitting there, you're stressed out, you're seeing all this stuff. So you need to make a physical change to it. You kind of put it in order and all of a sudden you go like, okay, now I can focus. Okay. The reason I'm illustrating that is just to show you the contrast or why you feel the way you do when things are just like a mess in your home is because it actually takes up a lot of mental stress and it can even take up a lot of physical stress, but we're called to action, right? And there might be some changes that God is going to lead you to make. Um, every one of us has a percentage of stress in your home. Would you agree? Yeah, some sort of stress. It could be small percentage. It could be a large percentage. Um, you can identify those areas that, that cause the stress. Think about those areas that might cause stress, and you can actually have the control to, dec- to make a change and to, to, excuse me, to decrease it. I need to drink a water now. That's what's going on. And those are your coping circles, okay? So your coping circles that Carrie talked about, and I know I already briefly mentioned it, but I'm going to expound on it a little bit more. So you have these coping circles. And these coping circles can get used up by things that you can't control, okay? There's things you can control, and there are things you can't control. The things you cannot control might be an unsaved husband or a difficult teenager 
or a chronic illness or a demanding boss or a school schedule. These things can really um, take up those coping circles, but you can't control them. You cannot control them at all. But there's things inside of your home that you can control, like clutter, accumulation of body lotions maybe, uh, different shampoos. I remember one time I was looking um, at my collection of shampoos, and they were all like half-used bottles. I'm not joking. I was like, I'm done with this. So now I have a rule in my life that I only use one shampoo, and when it's gone, then I buy another. If I want to try a different flavor, I use it up, then I buy the next one. Does that make sense? Anyway, the other things you could control in your home is like the large amount of unread books, the mound of it that's going on, or the mystery pile of of papers that you have um, that are in various locations. Um, I mentioned before the excessive amount of Legos. Yes, I have a three-year-old son, so now you get the, the why I keep saying that. I feel like I'm constantly picking them up, but I can control that. I get to control that. Um, believe it or not, I can even control the gifts that people gave me. There was one time where I was sitting in my, my house, and I was distracted again. I was looking around, and I realized, like, I don't like looking at that wall. Why don't I like looking at that wall? That wall is ugly to me. That wall stresses me out. And I had, like, different mirrors up on it, and I was just like, I don't like it. So I completely moved everything, and I was done. I was free. Um, Take a moment and picture your home now, okay? Close your eyes if you want. Yeah, let's do that. Let's close our eyes. Close your eyes and picture your home. I want you to picture specifically your closets, your underneath your kitchen sink, your countertops in your kitchen, maybe your kitchen island, Um, If you have an attic or a basement or storage, think about it. Do you guys see stuff? Do you feel stress? Yes. Do you see the connection of how stuff can actually equal stress? You can open your eyes now. Don't fall asleep. Okay. So basically, the more stuff you have, the more you have to take care of, right? And taking care of those things are using up those coping circles, those little coping circles that we could be using on the big stuff, the things that we can't control. Do you guys got that connection? Yes. Awesome. Let's move on. (laughs) Um, Why does clutter in those closets, even though, especially closets, I don't know what it is, but for some reason you might have a closet that's full of stuff and you don't ever open that closet, but that closet bugs you. It's because there's like a subconscious to-do list in the back of your head that's eating away, that's taking up a coping circle that it doesn't need to take up that coping circle. You could apply that coping circle to, you know, your, um, for me, it would be my three-year-old who is delayed physically. I need a lot of coping circles to help move him forward in that. I don't need to be worrying about the closet or my pictures that need to be organized or the garage that completely needs to be cleaned out. I still do, but I really shouldn't be. Um, But we can control that physical clutter in our home. Excuse me. So minimalism, I want you, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Minimalism is a philosophy. Have you guys heard of min- minimalism? Yep. It's a philosophy. It's where you can live very simply, and it's been around for like since literally like the Stone Ages. You know, um, monks have embraced minimalism. This is what's, okay, and it is trending in America, minimalism is. That's why I mentioned the tiny homes. There's like a whole like fad where, these single people and these couples, notice they don't have kids, um, build these like tiny homes and they live like super hipster and super trendy and they like 
plant their own stuff, you know, and they, they have their tiny home and they're living in this square thing. I'm waiting for a follow-up show. Once she gets knocked up, what happens to that tiny home? I'm just waiting for a follow-up show. I might need to like pitch that or something like that. Anyway, it's a trend, but this is what's really cool. This is something I found out. Did you know the main philosophy behind minimalism? Listen to this is about eliminating the unnecessary so one can focus on what matters most. You want to say it again so you can write it down in your little journals? Did you know the main philosophy behind minimalism is eliminating the unnecessary so one can focus on what matters most? Clutter can affect our mind. It can affect our will, and it can affect our emotions. Do you know what your mind, will, and emotions is? Anybody know? It's your soul. It's your soul. Um, so that's why we get to take action and make, even if it's a tiny, tiny change, you could free up a coping circle. You could bring some release. You can create an opportunity to bring rest into your home and take control of the spirit of your home as well through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Each one of us has different ideas of what a lot of stuff is. I totally acknowledge that. I totally get that. My idea stuff is totally different than like my sister's idea stuff. Um, this is because of several things. First of all, your temperament. This is stuff I want you to consider when you think about your home and the way you keep it. So it's your temperament. Second is your background. And third is your ability to manage your environment. Temperament. So in this room, there's a lot of temperaments, but I'm going to narrow it down to basically two. You are here because you're like Amber, who is like naturally really organized and she thrives on organization. And she's like, this attracts me because it's about organizing in the home. And I love that. And then you have another person uh, temperament here who's more laid back. I don't know who it is. I'm not going to call anybody out. Um, but their temperament is someone who knows that they desperately need organization. Those people are usually a little bit more laid back. And the laid back people, believe it or not, tend to lose things and forget things. It's because they don't really care and it's not a concern, but they know that they need some sort of order put into their life. So there's basically two types. The other people that are in between, they're in other workshops. So anyway, um, now besides your temperament, the other thing that can, af can affect the way you keep your home is your background. This is huge. And that's how you were raised. Um, some people grew up with very, very, very little. Some people grew up, uh, in a hoarder's home. Maybe your parents had a lot of stuff in a hoarder's home with stuff everywhere. Um, some parents for, for some of you were all about materialism. And so maybe they worked all the time and they were never around for you. So you process the way you keep your home differently. You might go completely opposite. If you lived in a dirty home, you might develop. And literally this is, this happens. Some people develop OCD because they they grew up in a very dirty, um, messy home. And then there's some that don't know how to change because that's all they know. They were never taught how to clean or never taught how to organize, or it's just, again, not naturally part of their temperament. So they fall right back into it. They just don't know how they try. They just don't know how, or they desire it. They just don't know how life circumstances also influence, um, your, meaning your background, your story behind why you do what you do. And for instance, if you were a refugee, think about someone with a refugee who only had what was given to them compared to someone up who's grown up in America, and they can get another shampoo bottle if they want a different flavor. Um, the last thing that can contribute to the way you have your home, the way you do, is another factor is the, 
is uh, your ability. You might be sick. You might physically not be able to constantly be keeping up with your home. Um, you have physical limitations. Or you might have family members that you can't control, like grown teenagers. They, you, no matter what you do, no matter what rules you put down, you can't control them. Those contribute to the condition of your home. Roommates, they contribute to your environment, to your dwelling space and your condition of your home. So it's important to ask yourself why. Why do I control my environment the way that I do? Then ask yourself what. Pinpoint what is the point of unrest in my home. It could be as simple as video games or a computer that's a distraction because you're constantly checking Facebook or maybe temptation in your home. You can get rid of it. What about the how? How can I make a realistic change within the realm of my control? As I put my home into God, my coping circles in terms of my home, my home's in my coping circles, my coping circles I put into God, what changes is he leading me to do? So in a second, um, I'm going to like pass out that to-do list for you, and we're going to get very, very practical of some ideas. But before I do, I want Victoria to share her story, her background, the reasoning behind the way she keeps her home. And I think it beautifully reflects what we just talked about. So if Victoria, you want to share yours, and then we're going to get into like tips and ideas, okay? All right. Good afternoon, ladies. Um, unlike Janelle, I will read my story because this public speaking thing takes a lot of my coping circles. Um, again, my name is Victoria Risti. My husband, Rafael, is a pastor here at GT. We are celebrating 15 years of marriage this November. Yes, go ahead and share. We have five kids with three of them at home. Our 13-year-old son, Eli, our 10-year-old daughter, Ariana, and our 7-year-old superhero, Zach. Our littles are all three years apart and in different stages of life, and they keep us pretty busy, but we wouldn't trade a single minute of it. As a mom, a wife of a pastor, a former stay-at-home mom who now works outside the home, rest has looked different um, for me in various seasons of my life. What I've learned over the years is that if I do not make rest a priority in my home, it will not happen. I will give you a little of my history this is um, a small window into the reasons why I have to be intentional in seeking rest in our home. This is my journey into learning to eliminate the unnecessary so you can focus on what matters most. Growing up, I was raised by a single mom in a very poor neighborhood. We didn't have a lot as far as material things go, but I still remember growing up in a cluttered home. I remember thinking how difficult it was to find things because our home was so cluttered or in a state of chaos. We had a lot of love in our home, but sometimes that would get clouded by the chaos. When we would do a whole house cleaning and purging, I remember seeing or sensing how everyone felt more relaxed. We even enjoyed being together in our rundown home in those times. I remember thinking that when I grew up, I would have to live differently so I can maintain that sense of peace I felt when things were in order. Even at a young age, I knew that my mother really didn't know any different, nor did she have the tools to help her create or maintain a more functional home. Many years later, into my early adulthood, we experienced a house fire where we lost everything. The little we had, we lost. Every childhood and teenage memory, every picture, Everything was gone. 
we were not able to grieve the loss of our home fully because two months after that, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. She passed away three years later, and I was angry and heartbroken. I take a drink. This is me being real, ladies. Um, I was angry and heartbroken that I didn't have anything tangible that would remind me of her before she got sick, nor did I have anything that I could share with my children. I received Christ two years after that, and he began to open my eyes and soften my heart, that I, but I continued to press down some inner struggles. When Raphael and I got married and then, our, and then had our children, my inner struggles came to the surface. Here I was trying to be a wife to a husband who worked full-time and went to school, raised babies, tried to maintain a functional home, um, raised babies and tried to maintain a functional home. But between being raised in a oftentimes chaotic environment and then experiencing the loss of all of our things, I struggled um, between finding an inner peace when it came to our home. How do I keep our home free from unrest but hold on to the tangible memories? What do I keep and what should I get, let go of? I struggled with that mindset for many years. My mind always seemed preoccupied with those thoughts. It was overwhelming to try to be the mom who kept everything that her kids created, every special outfit they wore, keep her husband organized, have a beautiful and clean home, run the household, and keep us on schedule. Many times I had to ask myself, who am I? Why am I wired like this? Does this all really matter? Why does this consume so much of my thoughts? Over many years, I began to receive answers to those questions, but I had to shift my focus from all that I had to do to a life of who I am and how I want to be. I could focus on all that I have to get done, or I can focus on being present in the moment. If I want to spend more time focusing on the moment, what could I do to achieve that? How can I have a home free from chaos or distraction but be more available for those moments, for the people in my life? I had to look at my tasks and ask myself, who is this really benefiting? As many of you know, rest can be a fleeting state in a mother's life. These are some practical things I've learned through the years that have helped me invite rest into our home in the midst of our busy lives. Some of the practical ways include having our home organized and functional for the season that we're in. Our seasons look differently, so our house and our schedules look differently. But creating routines help to create rest in each season. Keeping these routines help us to know what to expect on these certain days so that there isn't a constant thought of what needs to get done. And these are the things that I can control. <laughs> our different seasons include, especially during the school year, we have work, sports, winter, um, church group, impact, Royal Rangers. And so we have an organizer that we keep on our pantry and we don't see it unless you open up the pantry door. But it's, we call it the Aristi Hub. Some of you have seen it. <laughs> but this is our go-to during, during the school year. It keeps everything. Each kid has um, their own sleeve in it, and so we keep everything that includes their school spelling words to their calendars to their specials list, things like that. But that's our primary source of staying organized during that season, with the exception of our, jo our joint calendars on our phone. <laughs> um, daily. I start my day with devotional and journal time because, especially before everyone wakes up, because that's my, that's my time with the Lord. 
and it's dark, so I don't focus on the things that are around me. <laughs> so, and it invites spiritual rest into my day for those things that I cannot control. Every morning I make my bed, and I know that not everybody does this. I have special people in my life that are okay with not making their bed every morning, but I do. And to me, this says, let's start our day. Yesterday is gone. Let's start today. After school, the kids have a routine. They come in the door. They hang up their backpack. They take out their school folders and binders, lay it on the table so I don't go searching for it at the end of the day. Where are they? Or forget that, you know, or I'm not getting an email from the teacher saying, hey, did you know? Well, no, because I'm able to look at that binder every day because of the same routine. They clean out their own lunch boxes, and then the kids get to go and have free time while I make dinner. Each child is responsible for cleanup of their own room and, and a specific chore before free time, um, before any free time after dinner. And I, get, I hear this a lot now because we have a teenager that um, has really close friends in the neighborhood. Mom, can so-and-so come over? Well, how does your space look? How does your room look? Oh, bummer. Your space is not ready to receive guests. Thankfully, our kids are older now, so they can help out a lot more. Um, we keep a consistent bedtime and devotional time, and the kids count on it. Maybe not necessarily bedtime, but they know that they love that devotional time. And in order for them to have that one-on-one -on -one time, especially with dad, it's like, okay, that means I have to go to bed. So we have, they all go to their room, and they can count on that every night. It's a consistent thing. Dinner, dishes, and kitchen, for me, must get done before bed because it's saying the day is done. Time for rest. My weekly... There were, some other simple things for us, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays are shower nights for the kids, except for our 13-year-old now, because, you know, he's a very active 13-year-old, so, you know. Um, <laughs> we also keep a consistent schedule that during the week, no video games or technology during the school week for the kids, because we're a big believer that video games are a major mental distraction and consumes their time, which is already limited during the week for school work and activities, church, and each other. They get, to, they get their time on the weekends, but during the school week, we've just made it a rule. Um, summer and baseball season, we are more relaxed in our daily routine. We spend a lot of time at rest with friends, neighbors, and activities. We get to rest from our schedules, and we, we look forward to it every year. So what our summers is literally taking a complete break from all that I just told you. <laughs> They don't have their consistent bedtime because devotionals might look like, okay, 8 o'clock, we have our devotionals, and then they go watch a movie. Who knows? Yearly, we purge our rooms. Um, for us, our clothes are purged right before the school season begins, um, especially before we go school shopping. That's our time to purge. We get rid of the old summer clothes um, that, that make it, actually, through the summer. Um, and then our toys. We Right before Christmas is the time for us to purge their rooms for toys. Um, the kids love it because we create two piles. We trash it or we donate it. And the kids love knowing that the toys that they donate are going to go to somebody else. And so that's every year they can count on it right before Christmas of going through their toys. Um, Rubbermaids, each child has a large one. It has a lot of mementos, pictures, for school arts, um, and it's their Rubbermaid. What fits gets to stay. Um, as they get older, less and less gets put inside. And sometimes I will go through them to see if there's still an emotional connection to the items. If not, I get rid of it. These will go with them when they leave, maybe. <laughs> they may toss it all, but it's their choice, or maybe I'll hold on to it when they're married or have children, or I don't know. We have a long ways away from that, so we'll see. But these are the things that I'm learning, even to this day.
I'm learning that when things are not in order, it helps to limit distractions so we can focus more of our time on the good things or the God things. I'm learning to be okay when things are not perfect. I'm learning it's okay to desire and have a beautiful home if it doesn't create unrest to keep it. I feel that if it causes unrest, I have to ask myself, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to purge it, clean it, or simplify it? To close, I'd like to share a testimony into God's goodness. Since I didn't have any tangible memories of my mother before she got sick, I prayed that I would never forget her faith. God answered that prayer when our son Zachariah was born. Over here. Okay. Give me a moment. We knew Zachariah's name was going to be Zachariah. We knew it. With that. We knew that that was his name. Um, we also knew that Zachariah meant God remembers. It wasn't until I was actually writing this, to be really real with you guys, until, as I was typing it out, and I always knew that Zachariah meant God remembers, but it wasn't until I put it on paper that I remembered. We didn't know that he was my answer to prayer of not um, forgetting my mom's face until he started growing older, and then I could start seeing her through him. You look at my kids, you will see. I mean, they take after their dad, the dark eyes, the dark hair. They, the Aristi family has very dominant traits, but Zach, he looks a little different, but he looks like her. And as I was typing it, I typed, you know, Zachariah, God remembers. And the significance of his name has a greater meaning now than I could ever have imagined. But God knew he remembered. As our Zach grew, I began to see her in him, how I remembered her. God remembered my heart's prayer. And while I enjoy tangible memories, I remember that the true memories are carried in my heart and in the people around me. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being so brave and courage and sharing your story. And some of you are here specifically just because of her and her story. And so um, I know that God has spoken through you. Um, again, thank you for your courage and your vulnerability. That takes a lot, um, especially to give insight and to deal with emotional issues or to publicly talk is hard, but then also publicly talk about your background and personal issues that you've had to wrestle with and fight with and flesh out. And um, God is really a, a beautiful work in progress in Victoria. And it's almost, it's almost like a picture, like a painting, like it's not finished yet, but it's really beautiful, really, really pretty, where you're like, going, ooh, ooh, that's good. Oh, I like that. Okay, I would hang it on my wall. <laughs> I would. One of the things that she said that I absolutely loved was, I'm learning it is okay to desire a beautiful home, but as long as it doesn't cause unrest. Ecclesiastes 4.6, there's a verse. I'm going to read it from the message um, first, which again is just paraphrasing. It says, one handful of peaceful repose or rest is better than two fistfuls of worried work, more spitting into the wind. Another translation that's a little bit more direct from the Hebrew is one open hand of rest is better than two tight fistfuls of labor and striving after the wind. Um, Solomon, who was a very, very wise man, very philosophical, I'm sure he would have tried a trendy home as well, like a tiny home if he was here today. Uh, he wrote this verse, but he wrote it in the context of discontentment or envy of one's neighbor, to be literal, like just envying what you see, 
and being someone else's home or um, your neighbor, the things that they have, or even the way that they live. Discontentment and materialism. I want to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. Materialism and discontentment for things can happen to anyone on any level, on any economic status. It doesn't matter where, how you grew up or the, how much you have, you still can be discontent, okay? And so um, I want to be very, very clear. While envy is a sin, and that's something that God might have to deal with you, if you have that issue, if that's the reason why you have a lot of stuff, while that is a sin, um, and if God's dealing, again, like I said, if God's dealing, you, dealing with you about that, let him deal with you about that. But I want to be clear that having stuff, is not a sin, okay? Desiring a nice home or nice things is not a sin. To, to desire a beautiful home where people walk in and it smells good and they, like, can get a cup of tea and, you know, to have that desire and that dream, that's not a sin. Or to work after that, that's not a sin. Also, on the opposite, to have a messy home is not a sin. Having clutter around is not a sin. It's really amoral. It doesn't matter to God at all. Okay? He does desire rest in our lives, according to Ecclesiastes 4, 6. He does desire rest in our lives, but he wants it without the feeling of unrest or spitting into the wind okay? or striving after it, and it doesn't matter. That's what that whole like spinning into the wind or striving after the wind means is you're just spinning your wheels is what that means. Um, so because I'm going to be sharing some practical tips and ideas on how to simplify and organize your home, I want you to be very, very, I want to be very, very clear that that doesn't make you a better Christian, okay? So if Leah, if you could pass out these sheets, that's my disclaimer, is when you look at these, you don't feel like I have to do this, this, and this in order to be a better Christian. Everyone say amen. amen. Okay, you got that? Awesome. It doesn't please God. It does not please God, okay? Unless he tells you to do something, then it could be an act of worship. Um, so as she's passing that out, yep, Viv, that can help. Victoria, do you mind help passing them out too? Just to get a little bit faster and in your guys' hands because now we're going to go in speed mode. Yes, I love speed mode. Um, we're just, these are, what they're passing out is basic, practical, hands-on things you can apply to. Some of them are big, some of them are small to give you ideas of how to accomplish what you desire. The reason why you're sitting here in this workshop I want you to remember that as you're reading through the list. You're here because you desire some sort of order, organization, or rest in your home, right? So keep that in mind when you get there. And that's going to fill, this list is going to facilitate those opportunities for rest by simply releasing those coping circles so you can deal with the big stuff. All right, does everybody got one? Are you, did you already look at it? Oh, I was wondering if that's why you're laughing at it. Uh-oh. Okay. I almost feel like I should sit down now. Maybe I will. Can you see me back here? Or is it awkward? Should I come up here? Either way, it doesn't matter. Maybe I'll sit down. Yeah, when Victoria comes up, we'll, we'll pull it all up. That'll be good. That way we can do question and answer too. Also, you got your cards. So as questions pop up, whether about something we talked about, something Victoria talked about, Bib talked about, or something on the list, write your question down. Write your question down, okay? Um, let's pull these up. Give me one second.
leaving clutter all over the stage. Uh-uh. It was so I could get them out of my mind. Okay, so here is a list. This list is of different ideas. And if you notice, there's two columns, helpful and not helpful. Do you guys see that? Actually, I do need one of my papers. I think it's this one or is it this one? It's this one. Okay. The reason why you have helpful and not helpful right there is because of the verse Ecclesiastes 4, 6. And that is you want to create rest, not unrest, not spitting into the wind. So if something on this list, like your temperament, your personality, whatever it is, like an alarm goes off and says, I cannot do that. That would stress me out so much. And if you like try to do it, you're just setting yourself up for failure type of a situation. You don't want to do that. So you could just put not helpful. Okay. As you go through, but if you do see something that's like, okay, this would be hard for me, but I think I could do it. If I really gave it a good effort, then you can put helpful. And I do want to challenge you or charge you to challenge yourself because the reason why nothing's changing in your home is because maybe you're not doing anything different. So obviously if you want to change in your home, you have to do something different. So that's why you're like, okay, this is, might be a challenge to me, but I think I could do it. So check helpful. Okay. And you can always edit these later and go through them, but I am going to walk through them. The only reason is so I can give my two cents to all of them and kind of explain and help you. So the first one is purge. Okay. These are broken down into three, three different categories, purge, organize, and maintain. We're going to purge our home of chaos, organize your home for function and maintain your home. So rest will stay. You invite it. You want to, you want, you want it to stay. You don't want to kick it out as soon as like the junk comes back in. So purging, why purging? It sounds very, very extreme, but if I told you to go to your home and just like move some stuff around, that's not going to help you. Purge is very extreme and that's for a reason. It's the same reason why you like have to purge your bodies at times. You have to purge your mind, whatever. You got to purge your home as well. Um, but in order to purge, you kind of have to plan it out because it's a lot of work. And I'm going to spend a little bit more time on here than some of the other ones just because it's a big deal. Purge. Plan in advance uh, on a calendar. Like pick a day or a week or several weekends. Like if you're someone who works full time, you're a single mom, you work at night as well, then the best thing to do is plan four Saturdays in a row for an example. Okay. If you can have someone come over and help with the kids or help you do it, that helps or get your kids motivated to do it with you, but plan in advance and discard as much unnecessary unused and stored items in your home. So yes, even unused items that have been sitting there and sitting there, you purge those as well. Purge means to purge. Okay. Um, one tip is to discard in categories. So what you would do is you would bring all your clothes in one location, all your personal clothes from all over the house, whether it's the laundry room, your closets, storage, seasonal clothes. How many of you have seasonal clothes? I I'm guilty. I used, well, I used to have seasonal closets. I now have one closet, um, in three different locations. Just joking. Uh, <laughs> No, I have like two, I have an open closet. It's a weird situation. Anyway, I have like an open closet. There's just two clothing racks and a dresser. Okay. And then a couple shelves anyway. Um, so I used to have seasonal clothes and that would stress me out. Like every year I'd find myself dehangering, rehangering, rewashing, all that other stuff. So I just got rid of seasonal clothes and it's all in one. So anyway, put it all in one little area. And then, um, even from the laundry room, hidden places, storage, 
And then you, you purge in categories, okay? So you can purge in categories. So you go through all your clothes at once, and you get to the ones of the things that you love, the things that you wear, that you've worn within a year, and you can keep those. Then you move to the next category, whether it be your husband's or kid's clothes, and then the next one, which uh, a big one is books. A lot of times people have a lot of books that don't, that don't get unread. Well, let me tell you, if you feel guilty about giving books away, don't. Because it takes up more coping skills to keep that unread book nagging at you in the back of your mind than to get rid of it. If you get rid of it and later on you have a desire to read it, you still can go get it. It's called a library. It's really fascinating. Um, this is a big thing too. Category of health and beauty items, your shampoos, your makeup, um, your samples that you get and that you love to collect because you feel like a winner when you get them. Um, put them all in one area and get rid of everything except for the stuff you use. Pretty easy. And when that's empty and gone, you go and get another one. You don't need 10 different types of mascara because really you probably, when you're in a hurry, you only pull out one when you absolutely need mascara if you wear it, correct? All right. So that other stuff just stresses you out. Get rid of it. Kids' toys is another one. Um, when you purge in categories, the very last category you should keep is sentimental items. And this is why. For instance, Victoria, she's very emotional. She gets attached to, to emotion like we talked about. Part of it's her background, that way she grew up, and the fact that she lost everything at one time with a house fire. So she's more sentimental. So she's going to take a lot more time going through the sentimental items than she would her shoes. Okay? If you start with the sentimental items like photos, you won't get anywhere, and you used up all your calendar time that you saved. Does that make sense? So that's why you want to start. You want to do sentimental items last. Okay, um, moving on. If you can't purge the house in categories all at once, you can purge one room at a time. I've already purged in categories, so the way I maintain is I purge one room at a time. So now that I've purged my categories, I'm able to, um, if I have downtime or the kids are napping and a room's really bo bothering me, I literally will get a bag and I'll start filling it. I will shop my house is what I call it. I shop my house and I get rid of it. So if I see something that bugs me, I just throw it in the bag. So you can do one room at a time. But if you take this system one room at a time instead of categories, commit to completion. No matter if it takes you several months because of emergencies popping up, commit to completion. You're not going to feel the effects that you need to feel unless you complete it. So if you commit to purging, do it till completion, okay? Now, that I've taken some time on those, we're going to blow through the rest of them. Purge before Christmas. That was a great idea that Victoria gave us, so I put it on there. Or birthdays. You're making uh, room for the incoming, and you're doing it proactively. Uh, secret bin rule. If you have a problem with taking toys away from your kids, do this. Grab a rubber main. Put the toys in there that you see laying around all the time or that they're not playing with or never get out of the closet and wait, hide it, and wait for three weeks. If they don't ask you for that toy, you simply donate it and get rid of it, okay? If six months later they happen to ask you about it, just say, well, you never played with it, so we gave it to some kids who needed it. And you move on, okay? And they'll learn. So um, so that's a great, great um, example. My friend Shannon does that. She's the one that told me it was awesome. Throw away all accumulated papers with the exception of important tax documents, okay? Um, this sounds extreme, okay, because I know a lot of you have kids and, and with, you know, you can kind of follow suit with what Victoria said, you save your kids the stuff that you need, but the rest of the papers, throw it away, throw it away immediately. Your mail, do not have a slot for mail or a spot that collects mail. If it's junk mail, as you go through, go right in the trash. My son 
has picked up our habits. So we'll go through the mail together, and I'll say, that's daddy's. He puts it where daddy's mail needs to go, and I'll say, that's garbage. And he goes and throws it away. He loves doing it because we have the old-fashioned, like where you get the mail out of the slot, and he loves doing it. But he, even he, him has that system. Even my son has that system. So anyway, throw away all accumulated papers. Own only what you need. Hello. Um, empty drawers completely. Put back only the item in, items you use on a regular basis including the kitchen, okay? So one of the rules I have in the kitchen is if things aren't used within six months, I really examine if I need to hang on to it or keep it. Now, other things, the next one, if you have not used an item in a year, toss it. That's another rule. But like I said, with kitchen gadgets, it's usually six months because it's probably big and not worth the storage. So if I'm only using this once every six months, then I really don't. But I do have like a pan that I use seasonally. That's a little different. And it's around Christmas and fall time because we have a cherry tree. So I'll freeze some cherries and make tiny cherry pies. It's the only baking I do. I bite my crust. I don't bake. Um, but I have that pan, and that pan makes me happy, so I keep that pan. It was one of those choices, okay? But I got rid of my zucchini spiraler because who has time to make zucchini spaghetti squash, whatever that's called? All right. Next one. <laughs> If you want it. Um, this, is, this is one that I got from a book called The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organization. Okay? It's a very extreme book. It's kind of one that falls in those minimalism categories and stuff. We're going to take baby steps. But one of the things that she has in there that I love as a filter, and it was something that I kind of did already, was does it spark joy? I always used to say, do I like looking at this, whether it's a piece of clothing? Do I like looking, looking at this on me? Do I like looking at this picture? Her way of putting it is, does it spark joy? If you're debating to throw something away, ask yourself, does this spark joy? Does this, like... Do I have an emotional tie to it? Is it something that's like I really like looking at? If not, just toss it. Here's another one. It's okay to throw away gifts. Okay? I'm going to pause here for a little bit because I want to explain to you. That's some of the hardest things to wrap your mind around, and it took me a long time because I felt like I could get rid of anything that I bought, that I purchased. I would Actually, I loved throwing it away. I like throwing things away. But gifts, for some reason, I would put in my mind, like, I had to keep it. And I didn't pick it out, so sometimes I didn't like it, to be honest. You know, it was a gift. But then you realize a gift is just that. It's the action of, of the person giving it to you and the, the action of receiving it. So once you've had that give and receive moment, it's your choice whether you want to keep it or not. So don't feel guilty keeping gifts. Now, there are some things, like, I might hang on to. Like, there was a little jean jacket that Nicholas's dad got Hudson. Well, Nicholas's dad passed away three months after Hudson was born. I kept that jean jacket, you know, because it was, it was, normally I wouldn't keep a jean jacket. I'd pass it on to somebody else. But because it was a gift from him, I did. Do you see the difference? Okay. So anyway, it's okay to throw away gifts. Sentimental objects in question, ask yourself, and I do do this, if I die, will anyone care about this? <laughs> okay, that helps you throw it away too. Um, and then ask for help. If you are a natural person who saves, a.k.a. hoarder, <laughs> if you're a saver, um, invite a trusted friend to come over and support you and say, no, you, can, you could, probably could get rid of that, you know, and help them just release it. Just take it out of their hands and release it into the trash can. All right. 
So again, write down any questions that you have. We're going to try to blow through the rest of these. Organize your home for function. So once you purge, this is really important, you organize. You cannot organize without discarding first. Remember that. You cannot organize without discarding, discarding first. Otherwise, you're organizing your clutter. Uh, I think you had said an organized hoarder, you know, you, that actually happens. You could come up with great organization systems, but then it ends up being so much work to maintain those organization systems. You can be an over-organizer. So then the challenge for you is to simplify. Is that organization system really necessary? Or is that stuff that you're organizing really necessary? So then you need to take the step to simplify. Um, use baskets or bins to store bathroom products, toys, or loose items. I have a slide. I took a picture at my house. Do you have that, Kevin? It's the skinny closet. This sounds really cheesy. I don't know if you can totally see it. It's pretty dark, though. can't really see it. I don't know if you can turn down the lights um, just for a second. This is one of my happy places. I know that sounds crazy, but every time I open this closet, it makes me happy, and I like looking at it. And this is why. is because for so long, I mentioned to you, I had tons of shampoo bottles, like halfway used, bath and body products, products that were gifts, like tons of stuff, and it stressed me out. Well, I finally did it. I finally bought six baskets. The top basket on the left is all our, like, Band-Aids, um, Tylenol, any medicines go in that basket. The one next, then you see the toilet paper, accessible for guests. Then on the right is Nicholas's. It's, like, pretty much nothing's in there. And then that one's full. It has my um, hair dryer, my straightener, and my curling iron. Those are the things I use all the time. And then I have two hair products, a deconditioner or a detangler and, um, like, a shine spray. Because I realized no matter what hair products I bought, I only used two. So I got rid of the rest. Um, and then below, you can't really see it. Well, you see the um, towels. And by the way, my husband folded those towels. That was not me. Woohoo! Win-win. Um, is the kids' baskets. And I had actually bought the baskets before the kids were born, knowing that I'll, I'll need to grow the space. Then there's a jar of um, cotton balls and Q-tips. That is credit to Leah, because I think it was like, what, 15 years ago? She ha You remember it? Yeah. I thought that was the cutest, most genius idea because it was cute, too. So all my cotton balls and, like, Q-tips are in one jar, and it just looks cute. So that's one of my happy places. Now you get an idea of baskets and bins and what it could look like. Go to the next one, the next slide. This is our downstairs, the toys. Now, I don't organize what's in the basket, okay? That's, like, over-organizing. I don't over-organize what's in the basket. The basket is the organization. So then you move on. You throw the stuff in the basket, and you move on. So those are toys. Okay. Um, Let's move on. So organization, baskets and bins, assign a specific place in your home. Everything has a place. This is really huge, okay? Everything has a place in your home. Um, this is hard for some of you, especially if you are that temperament that loses things, but you need it more. If you just assign a place for it, you're not going to lose it. You're not going to spend extra money to replace it. Train your, and, um, train your family to do the same. Um, Store items in categories and in one location. So not only thing, not only does everything have a specific place, but categories are in one spot. So all your makeup's in one spot. Toys in our house are all in the basement. There's an exception of books in the kids' room, and that is why I didn't want to pick up toys all over the house. So if they want to go play, they can go play downstairs. Once in a while, toys make it upstairs. I let it happen because they're kids and they need to have fun, and I can control that and put it back. 
Um, create a schedule for cleaning. This helps people so then you realize your house doesn't get overwhelmed. You know that today's Tuesday and I can't clean the whole house, but I can knock out one bathroom. Does that make sense? Okay. Photos. This is a big question. Photos are meant to be looked at, so it is encouraged to put in photo albums. I have way too many photos. That's one of my to-do lists. They're actually categorized according to different like seasons of my life, not years because that was overwhelming. Um, and there was one time I did go through and purge. I purged out all the negatives. If I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so you always had negatives and duplicates of photos. Finally got rid of those. And for some reason, I was taught to keep, like, the photos that are still blurry or the, like, the awkward, like, you're a t- teenager and you have, like, buck teeth and, like, pimple. I just threw away the toys, the, the pictures I didn't look at or I didn't like looking at. I also threw away the pictures of people I didn't remember their names. I was like, I don't remember this person, so I'm just going to pitch it. Anyway, so you can put them in a box and revisit it later if you don't have time to do that. Know everything in your closet. So that's another personal rule that I have in my life. I want to know what's in a closet, um, and I want to be able to see it. If I can't see it, then it probably doesn't need to be there. Create brainless routines. This takes up those coping, coping circles if you're constantly having to think of, like, a routine to do or extra work. So do brainless ones. And the reason why you set routines is because then you no longer have to think about it. Everyone knows what just to do. So set up routines. Um, Budget systems. I'm kind of skipping through this. Budget systems and file systems. Simplify it. Only save the legal documents that you need to save. The rest you don't need to file away. Um, You can ask more questions about it later if you want. But basically all you need is stuff for your taxes and then maybe a folder for each person in your home. Um, their birth certificate, their passport, or any legal documents, and have it in a certain location all the time in your home, okay? So then you know exactly where to go. Then if you're a budgeter and you hang on to receipts, somewhere accessible, not in storage or in a file system, but somewhere accessible like a cupboard in a kitchen, you have one envelope. That's where you throw your receipts in, okay? Do you need to organize that envelope? You can if that helps you. But really, you don't need to because if you need to go back to a receipt, you know where it's at, and you have to go through them anyway, okay? So it just takes out a second step or an extra step for that. Um, Also, reference, like manuals, you can get those online now. Go ahead and toss those. You can get those online now. That frees up space. Now, maintaining. Here's a way to maintain all that purging, all that organization you did to stay on top of it. Our pastor's wife does this. It's pretty impressive. She discards 10 things every day. She finds 10, even if it's small, 10 things she discards every day. Um, Yeah, and then she asks who wants it. Um, Shoes off when you come into the house. That's a big thing. It's sanitary. It also, like, helps keep all the, like, you don't have to sweep as often. Make beds every morning. Start the day. Establish rules. Um, For instance, a rule that would might be good if you have teenagers is the floor is forbidden storage. That way it keeps the, the floors clean. Um, the one thing rule for everything that's brought in, take thing out, take one thing out, whether it's your closet, whether you go to target, take one thing out, um, establish personal zones. This has to do with that control issue. So there might be little things you can control, but you can, may not be able to control some of the things your husband does. I have personal zones for Nicholas. He gets to do it messy, however he wants to be in his, like where he gets ready. Um, he also has it in his, um, office. He can just, you know. But, like, when it comes to our kids' hamper, he cannot have the clothes next to the hamper. He might do that for himself. But um, because it's a shared zone, 
I do ask him that you put the clothes in the hamper. Does that make sense? So if you need to not be the nagging wife on top of every single person in your home, give them free space and let them do it. Let them be relaxed and dwell how they need to. That's also very healthy in your home too, is just like not being super, just letting people live, right? Okay. Um, let's see, where are we at? Personal, oh, this is something else I do. Um, you, let's see, what you say that you do every night? You do the dishes. Yeah, I clean out my sink. And Carrie had mentioned that there's some psychologist said that that's actually really healthy. I don't know why. I just started doing it. I clean out my sink every night. There are exceptions when I'm so tired, I'm just going to pass out and I tackle it in the morning. But for the most part, I keep a clean sink because that helps me unwind and I can go to bed and have a clear mind in that. Um, don't buy a new replacement item until the other one is used. We talked about that. Donation bag. Have a bag, like down in the basement or in one of your closets. And as you are living day to day and you see something that you don't need anymore, um, instead of saying, oh, I'll get to that later or I'll clean that out later, take it, put it right in that bag. So you have a central collection spot, okay? And then when that bag's full, you get rid of it. Um, have a garage sale once a year. And then this is something just practical. Trigger your senses. Let's say you're really stressed out. Trigger your senses. Light a candle, sip some warm tea, bring it down. Whether the kids are in bed or you're home from a very stressful day at school or work or whatever is really stressful, trigger your senses just to kind of unwind so you can get better and deeper sleep. Don't eat chocolate. Don't eat ice cream. That's a whole other session upstairs about health. But don't and, – and also being on your phone. Those are things that actually um, – heighten your senses. Instead, you want to relax your senses so you can have more physical rest. A physical change to your environment, you can put on this next slide because I want it to stay up. A physical change to your environment can relieve mental and physical stress, freeing up coping circles to, it's supposed to say deal with other life issues. So make sure the word deal is in there. But basically, physical change to your environment can relieve mental and physical stress, freeing up coping circles to deal with other life's issues. That's why we declutter. That's why we simplify. Let's do questions and answers now. Cool? That was a lot, wasn't it? Are you stressed? Overwhelmed? Take a break. Coping circles. You can bring the lights back up because now I can't see anyone. All right, so Bib and Leah are going to collect the questions. So before we do the questions, I had talked to Janelle and Victoria about this because I know you might not have questions and we need to have you upstairs by two. So um, I'm going to ask them to give you their emails. So if you have a question that you want to direct to them, you can email it to them. Okay. And then they will personally For a respond. small fee. For, yeah. <laughs> Do you want <laughs> Do you want to go ahead and, sure. and tell them just to write it down? Write down your questions and then hold question, them up like this. And then we can ask a few now, and then you can yes. also take emails. Yes, okay? but if you want to go ahead and give them your email, email for, okay. for those. And My email is Janelle. It's J-A-N-E-L-L Peterson, P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N at gmail.com. I see a lot of pins moving, so I'll wait. Mine's B, Aristi, A-R-I-S-T-Y, 
at gladtidingsomaha.com. Thank you, ladies. I think that some of you might think of things, and it's really great to get it right from the source. We do have a, good, a few good questions, and we have very few good minutes for them to answer them. Okay. Um, this is very good because um, I know both of their husbands. I work with them. And um, these are strong-willed women, but so were their husbands. Okay. How do you handle disagreements between you and your spouse when it comes to different preferences in organization, cleanliness, decor, etc.? <laughs> it's hard because in decor, my husband would rather take a nap than try to decorate. I mean, he was he would just like please. So I, I can't really answer when it comes to decor. I do ask him for his opinions when I'm indecisive because he does have a, a good eye. He's a graphic designer, so that does help. But when it comes to um, cleaning, like I said, I need to give grace. I need to give personal zones. I need to give free zones because he's living too. But there's times if something is really bothering me and it wasn't just because I was having PMS because sometimes I get more bothered during that. It's, it's real, you know, and stuff. Um, if I notice, like, even after I'm not emotional or hormonal and it's still bothering me, then I tell him, I explain to him, this is important to me. And the reason why it's important to me is because when you're away and I'm dealing with this, this, and this, and this with the kids, this is something I'm constantly having to do or constantly having to pick up. And so he usually listens and respects it. Now, a lot of times what happens, he might do it for three months or six months, and then it happens again. It's just because he's got his habits, too. And that's where you have to have grace and stuff. And then you're just like, okay, just remember to do this, you know. But he's, thankfully, I have a husband that helps out. If he knows I'm so tired and I don't do the dishes, I love when I, I wake up and they're done for me, you know, stuff like that. So I think it really goes back to grace, too. I think, you know, Raphael and I are completely different people. I mean, completely. Um, <laughs> But I love him. He's a big teddy bear. Um, but going into our marriage, he had a mom that pretty much took care of him completely. Like, so he came into the marriage like, you know, what's the big deal about leaving your clothes everywhere? I'm giving too much information, I think. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway, and so I always kind of joked with him because, you know, I mean, it would just be silly things. Like, you know, you open up a cabinet to get a medicine bottle out, and the cabinet would stay open. Or, you know, you would take the lid off the milk, and then the milk and the the lid would stay off and sit on the counter. And I, in, in the beginning, it was always like, oh, are you done with that milk? You know, or, oh, are you done with that door? You know, or, oh, you know, and it was always that. But I had to really check myself and w w is that coming from my heart? Because really that's to him, that was just his mindset. But over the years, he started to see what, I guess, what, what keeps peace in our home. I don't know. It comes from a good place now. But, you know, he knows that, you know, I like to go to bed with knowing that the dishes are done. And he knows if I've had a long day, he just, he did, there's no words anymore. It's just, you know, we don't go to bed without the, you know, and that's just my thing. And same thing with him. I extend grace. Okay. He's got socks on the side of the bed when the hamper's right there. Pick him up and put him in the hamper. Is it really that big of a deal? I think that's just across the board that happens yeah. a lot. So that's why you got to give grace because sometimes they're just men. It's the temperament. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's just, you know, it's true. It's true in how they see things. So, yeah, ab absolutely. But have family meetings. Have courage to have family meetings. Yeah. Can I just say, too, I, I come from a different generation, okay? Um, women didn't really have careers uh, very much before 
you know, I'm in my late 60s, and so a lot of women stayed at home, or we, we had part-time jobs. But, and I was trained something, but I still think it's of great value. Men wear their careers. Women wear their homes. You might work 40, 60 hours a week, but your home represents you. And so don't ever feel like you can't have your opinion about your home because you wear your home. Okay. When you walk into a home, you don't think, oh, Pastor Raphael, you did a great job of decorating that house. <laughs> don't, you don't, do you? It's because that's a, woman, a, a woman's role in the house. And this is an interesting question. I, Leah, I don't know if you had more questions, but this one. Okay. Yes, <laughs> this one was very cute. It's, has Victoria started her home organization and interior design business yet? Oh. <laughs> this is great value in these women and Janelle I don't know if you all know but she's Carrie DeVries's personal organizer and so yeah, yeah. she says Janelle told me and so but um value your friends I think that you can find people. If, you, if there are people that you like the way they decorate, you like the way they're organized, whatever, call on them, and that's the friendships that they build here, okay? And, and all the others are that all which tied to what the, do you do with your Which one's the most husband? different? Yeah, no, actually, when I got married to Nicholas, he was very nostalgic, like super deep and emotional nostalgic. And then his mama said, you're married. So she gave me all these boxes. I'm talking cases and cases and cases of CDs from like when he was a teenager, like sitting on a couch, you know, and like making music and stuff. And then also like notebooks and papers and just tons of stuff. And I said, okay, this is really important to me because that helps because he knew he, he was raised. If it's important to her, it should be important to you or at least like make a sacrifice. So I said, I want you to put everything that you really want to keep in one bin. And I gave him a Rubbermaid. And he tried and tried and tried and tried. So I extended grace and gave him two Rubbermaids, two bins. And then we put them in the storage. And then sure enough, when we had kids, we had to clean everything out again because we had to make room for the kids. And, you know, baby stuff takes up a lot of space. Holy smokes. So anyway, so he on his own was like, why am I keeping this stuff? Why am I keeping this broken game with all these pieces that are lost? And it was in his own timing that he was able to do it. But he had also lived with me for five years at that point, you know, and kind of picked up those habits as well. So ask him again, like kind of do a therapy session. Like, does this really matter to you? Will this matter if you die? You know, like, will this matter to the people that you love? What do you want? Can you condense it into one box? You know, give him that freedom. Just kind of work with him. Um, make compromises. And again, let him know what's important to you. But the reasons why. So I think that helps bring understanding because they don't think that way like we do. Like you had said earlier, like this is your space, you know, as long as it has doors, I think, as, you know, close the doors, that's your space, um, do with it as you will, you know, I don't know that every home has, you have that option to do that, but that's your space, because I mean, you know, that's their stuff, that's, you know, if I don't care to put it away or keep it, you know, in alphabetical, I don't, whatever, but um, that's your space, you have your space, and just like with our kids, 
Okay, I can close your bedroom door, but if it's not clean, it's not ready for guests. So you can go outside and play, but you know, if your friends want to come in, is your room, is your space ready for in to invite guests? Um, but anyway, personal space, I think. Okay, am I correct that we are to be moving yeah, by two? Yeah, the main There was a young lady here. I just want to say. My teenage boys now are 39, 42, and 44. So, um, but I did raise them, and at that time, I had people in my home continually. And so it was, a, I reminded them of the scripture, honor your mother and your father so that all will go well with you. Because I can tell you what will go wrong if you don't. <laughs> And so I would just walk them back and make them do it. I would not do that for, for them. The only way you can train a dog is to show them what to do. And I, and I don't, that's not demeaning. I, I'm it, just saying it's the same thing. Any training, it's over and over and over again. Being a former youth pastor, though, and about 16, 16 years of age, they start thinking, that's the point where they start thinking about the future. So maybe if you try the language of like, the reason why I, this is important to me and I'm teaching you this, because one day you're going to be married or have a home of your own. And so I want you to start learning these things so that you can have a home and be proud of your home and your wife can feel comfortable in her home. So then you kind of switch their mentality of mom's telling me what to do. And plus, like, I actually had that habit. That's my mom sitting back there. I had the habit of leaving George. She knew which child was in the kitchen because I personally had the habit of leaving drawers open. Now that bugs me. Um, like I can't go to bed unless everything's closed. So, so there's hope it does change, yeah. but it just might be the season of life, you know, and stuff, but maybe try that. Just encourage them about thinking about the future and see if that motivates them. Sweetheart, Th they nice. love to be talked nicely to, even at 16. <laughs> <laughs> Any other, purg like, purging, not purging, um, nagging questions? These words I'm using. They're puns. That's what it is. Yes. Then you don't care enough to have your friends over. Love and logic kind of thing. It's just like, oh, bummer, you know. And I, it, it, is it always clean? No, you know, it's not. It's not. I mean, you know, kids will be kids, you know. Um, but that's just kind of a rule we made in our house. It's just like, you know, if it's it's also just to honor your guests. Mm -hmm. And so, if you don't care about your space, it's like saying I don't care what you see when you walk in either. So it's just a, an honor thing, and it's something that we have to continually do on a daily basis, reminding. So. 
Well, at this age, I kind of know. But I I guess it really depends on the relationship that we have with the kids, too. I think the kids that come into our house, that we're comfortable with coming into our house, we don't have an issue with saying, hey, boys, why don't you go clean up that space? Um, The other thing is, is we put it back on our son because he's the one that has a lot of friends over, too. It's just like, well, if you're not going to be responsible enough to say to your friends or if it was you collectively making a mess and you're not saying, I care about my space, we're just going to walk out and leave it, then maybe next time you won't have those same friends over. So, The, the room thing, well, Elijah's 13 now. And really, I want to say actually just more recently within the year, just because, you know, we've just moved, and now we have a lot of neighborhood kids in the area that he's connected with. Um, yeah, w- even with Ariana. Yep, we've started it just more recently within the year, and it's really working. Um, if your rooms, if your space is not ready, then you're not ready to invite guests. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. So they can start clean, help cleaning their room as at toddlers. Yep. At to- yeah, yeah, they really can. Yeah, I've noticed that with our youngest, like we have to give them specifics, like finish your goal, like check back. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, go clean up your Legos. Okay, I've done that. And then he checks back. Um, you know, go clean up your stuffed animals and puts them on your bed. Okay, and then he checks back. With our daughter, we can give her, you know, a few things to do, and then she'll check back. Um, and then our oldest, I don't have to give him anything to do. He just knows what to do. It's just getting him to do it. So, <laughs> yeah. I try to stick to the rule, one thing in, one thing out. Or uh, I know we talked about hanging it backwards. So if you you take your hanging item, the hanger itself hangs backwards, and if after a year, give yourself a timeline. It could be six months, could be a year, but if it's still hanging backwards, then you haven't worn it, donate it. because I know I've had friends in my life who literally asked me for help to, to teach them how to clean. Um, and so if you're one of those people that you're just like, okay, but this wasn't really addressed, feel free to email me or Victoria. Um, like, honestly, even if you just need questions of how to clean. So um, Joni was my mom. I was trained very well. So. <laughs> How much? I'm serious. 
All right. We, we really got to go because it's going to start at 2.15, so. Okay, but let's end it with prayer. Yeah. Amen. Thank these beautiful women. But, Father God, I thank you that as we are in a real rest scenario, that as our minds are going crazy and we're thinking of all the things that we want to get home and get started, we just ask that you would bring peace to our minds that, Lord God, you would direct us and that we're not the same. So one might start in one place and one might start in another. But that, Lord God, you would bring perfect, peaceful rest into our homes. And, Father, we ask blessing on both Janelle and Victoria as they have so blessed us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.